Good afternoon, and welcome to the Dazon Digest podcast. I'm April Dyer, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dazon. Today is September 9th, 2022, and we are going to discuss surgical prophylaxis. On the last episode, hosted by Travis Jones, we discussed surgical prophylaxis durations. Today, we will discuss regimens for elective colorectal surgery and review an article by Alicia Fernandez and colleagues from Ontario, Canada, entitled, Surgical Site Infection Rates Are Higher Among Elective Colorectal Surgery Patients Receiving Non-Beta-Lactam-Based Antimicrobial Prophylaxis, a Retrospective Chart Review. The United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention defines surgical site infection as infection related to an operative procedure that occurs at or near the surgical incision within 30 days of the procedure or within 90 days if prosthetic material is implanted at surgery. While the risk for most surgical site infection is low, colorectal and other abdominal procedures have the highest risk of surgical site infection due to the presence of intraluminal bacteria. According to data published by the National Healthcare Safety Network, SSI rates following colon surgery are approximately five per 100 procedures. First-line antimicrobial prophylaxis for clean contaminated colorectal procedures per guideline recommendations are typically beta-lactam-containing regimens, such as cefazolam plus metronidazole. However, we know that 10% of the population reports beta-lactam allergies, even though true allergies are much rarer. Patients with beta-lactam allergies often receive alternative antibiotic prophylaxis. The goal of the study we are evaluating today was to determine whether the odds of SSI differ between patients who receive beta-lactam prophylaxis and those who received alternative agent prophylaxis. This was a retrospective cohort study conducted between October 2009 and April 2016 in a tertiary care hospital in Ontario, Canada. Patients were eligible if they were at least 18 years old, undergoing elective clean contaminated colorectal surgeries and had traceable 30-day follow-up and administration of guideline-approved preoperative antibiotic prophylaxis. The patients were assessed for surgical site infection up to 30 days post-operative. Six trained abstractors reviewed patient charts and collected age, sex, body mass index, reported penicillin allergy, timing of antimicrobial prophylaxis administration, appropriate antibiotic redosing, perioperative normothermia, skin preparation, American Society of Anesthesiologists class, and operative variables such as indication, duration, and approach. In case you're unfamiliar with the American Society of Anesthesiologists classification systems, there are four classifications. ASA1 is a normal healthy patient. ASA2 is a patient with mild systemic disease, ASA-3 is a patient with severe systemic disease, and ASA-4 is a patient with severe systemic disease that is a constant threat to life. Data are also collected on length of stay, readmission, reoperation, unplanned physician assessment, outpatient nursing care, and mortality. Left-sided colon and rectal surgeries also receive mechanical bowel preparation in addition to their preoperative IV antibiotic prophylaxis. Data were collected in REDCap, and as a validation, 10% of eligible charts were reviewed by a second abstractor for quality assurance. Univariable analyses of patient and perioperative characteristics were performed to compare patients who had SSI to those who did not have SSI. Covariates known to influence SSI risk were selected for multivariable analyses. National Nosocomial Infection Surveillance, or NNIS, risk index 
which is an aggregate score of known SSI risk factors of ASA class, wound classification, and operative duration was an a priori variable. Descriptive statistics, univariable and multivariable analyses were performed on the data. A p-value less than 0.05 was considered significant. The study team identified 2,029 bowel procedures during the study period and excluded 969 procedures due to contamination, the fact that they were urgent or emergent cases, dirty procedures, or not colorectal procedures. Another 89 procedures had either non-traceable 30-day follow-up or no documentation of antibiotic prophylaxis, and five cases occurred prior to the study period. This left 966 clean contaminated colorectal procedures in adult patients who received guideline-based antimicrobial prophylaxis. Of these patients, beta-lactam prophylaxis was defined as cefazolin plus metronidazole dose per the guideline recommendations. For alternative antibiotic prophylaxis, 86.5% of patients received metronidazole plus ciprofloxacin, and 13.5% received metronidazole plus genomycin. And 3.6% of patients in this group also received IV vancomycin. There are no differences noted among clinically relevant covariants in the two study groups, except for penicillin allergy status. Surgeries in this study were most commonly performed for neoplasm, 73.6%, inflammatory bowel disease, 11.6%, diverticular disease, 8%, rectal prolapse, constipation, or mobility disorder, 3%, other diagnoses, 2.8%, or prior emergency surgery, 1%. Postoperative SSI occurred in 16.9% of cases, or 163 patients. Superficial SSI made up 8%, or 77 cases. Abscess, or anastomotic leak, 7.8% of cases, or 75 patients. And wound dehiscence, 1.1%, or 11 patients. Unadjusted analyses indicated that odds of SSI increase for patients with body mass index of 30 or greater, penicillin allergies, alternative antimicrobial prophylaxis administration, surgical durations greater than four hours, open or converted open approach to surgical procedure, ASA class score three or greater, and NNIS score of two. A total of 888 patients had complete data for all the a priori variables. The findings suggested that alternative antibiotic prophylaxis was associated with higher odds of SSI than beta-lactam prophylaxis. In the study, SSI led to longer postoperative length of stay, eight days as compared to six, increased post-discharge physician assessments, more outpatient nursing care, increased readmissions, and reoperations. Alternative antibiotic prophylaxis was also associated with more post-discharge phys physician assessments, outpatient nursing care, and readmissions. The surgical prophylaxis guidelines offer several options for antibiotic prophylaxis in colorectal surgery. This study suggests that alternative antibiotic regimens may not be equivalent to standard beta-lactam prophylaxis with cefazolin plus metronidazole. Notably, these data impact patients with penicillin allergies disproportionately. The other variables associated with increased risk of SSI, which were BMI, ASA class, surgical approach, and duration, are already recognized factors that increase SSI risk. It is notable that BMI and ASA class are not modifiable, but surgeons can modify surgical approach and procedure duration locally to reduce SSI risk. The study had some notable limitations. The design did not facilitate causal conclusions. Subgroup analyses were inadequately powered. 
and it was not generalizable to patients who did not undergo clean contaminated colorectal procedures. Hospitals also have local antibiogram susceptibilities to organisms associated with SSI that must be considered when designing surgical prophylaxis recommendations. And the CDC SSI definition also allows for some subjectivity in the diagnosis of SSI. The study also did not go into depth on mechanical bioprophylaxis or include this as a variable. One thing that I also want to mention is that we stated that infections occur in roughly 5% of patients per NHSN data. And in this study, 16.9% of patients experienced SSI. There are data that suggest when patients are closely followed in clinical trials that surgical site infection rates are a little higher, such as 17 to 26%. In conclusion, the study's findings challenge the idea that beta-lactam prophylaxis and alternative antibiotic prophylaxis are equivalent for colorectal procedures. So what are some questions I should ask if I want to apply this research as a steward? When thinking about site-specific surgical prophylaxis, it's important to consider antibiotic susceptibilities at your facility. Does your antibiogram suggest superior coverage of beta-lactam prophylaxis to be coli and methicillin-susceptible staph aureus? If so, these findings may not be surprising, but are an important point of education for your surgical staff. Local antibiograms should always be considered when deciding on surgical prophylaxis regimens. The next question you may have is, can you improve care at your facility by not only delabeling beta-lactam allergies for inpatients, but also by targeting patients in the preoperative setting? We know that 5 to 10% of the population routinely reports penicillin allergies, but research has shown that more than 90% of those patients with self-reported allergies do not have positive penicillin skin test results and are able to tolerate penicillins or other beta-lactams. A retrospective study by Macy et al. performed at Kaiser Foundation's South California hospitals demonstrated many harms associated with penicillin allergies. They compared 51,582 penicillin allergic patients to two unique controls each. They noted that penicillin allergic patients had more exposure to broad spectrum agents, longer hospital stays by about 0.59 days per person, a 23.4% increased rate of CDI, 14.1% increased rates of MRSA, 30.1% more VRE as compared to their non-penicillin allergic counterparts. The study also noted an increased cost of about $20 million per year for this group of patients. Penicillin allergy delabeling comes with a unique set of challenges, but its benefits are far-reaching for patients, and this study should make us assess whether or not we are positioned to perform penicillin allergy delabeling and or referrals for outpatient penicillin allergy skin testing in our patients undergoing elective surgical procedures. If you are interested in this stewardship opportunity, please feel free to reach out to your Dazon Liaison Clinical Pharmacist. Dazon has a penicillin allergy questionnaire as part of their toolkit that can assist facilities with this allergy delabeling. Some of you may be questioning whether or not we should even use dual agent regimens for surgical prophylaxis. In our previous podcast, episode 34, Travis discussed a study that found increased risk of AKI with dual agent prophylaxis regimens. His study highlighted the important point that every drug and every dose of surgical prophylaxis matters. I'd encourage you to refer back to his discussion on this topic. Now, let's talk about erdipenem. We do not recommend routine use of this drug for colorectal prophylaxis at most of our hospitals, but questions about its utility for colorectal procedures often arise since it is an option included in the ASHP surgical side infection guidelines. 
Ideally, when selecting antibiotic prophylaxis, the goal is to provide adequate coverage of organisms that may cause a SSI without providing coverage that is overly broad. Another reason stewards often avoid ertapenem is that it theoretically can increase a patient's risk of subsequent colonization or infection from resistant organisms, such as carbapenem-resistant enterobacteria ACA. This does not mean that ertapenem use is a never event. One retrospective cohort study evaluated 3,600 patients undergoing elective colorectal surgery and found that in patients known to have fecal carriages of ESBL-positive organisms who received cefazolam plus metronidazole were more likely to have SSI caused by the resistant group. This suggests an individualized approach may be warranted in patients with non-colonization with ESBL-positive organisms. Of note, the study we discussed today did not look at fecal carriage of ESBL-positive organisms. More research is definitely needed to provide head-to-head -head data of ertapenem as compared to cefazolam plus metronidazole for colorectal surgeries. There are many risks associated with antibiotic use, and it is important to consider the potential for adverse events and the development of antimicrobial resistance and balance those risks with providing adequate coverage to prevent SSI. At this time, stewards trying to determine optimal antibiotic prophylaxis for patients undergoing colorectal prophylaxis should consider literature and guideline recommendations, patient factors, local susceptibilities, and local SSI data. Dazen and Dicon are happy to work with our sites to customize their surgical prophylaxis regimens. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Dazen Digest. I hope you have a nice day.